Tim and Jackie were involved here at Grace Point a little over 20 years ago, have been in Italy now for a little over 20 years. And Sherry and I had the opportunity to go and celebrate their church's 30-year anniversary uh, back in the summer. You had to twist our arm to come. Okay, we'll come to Naples and eat some of that good food. And so we thoroughly enjoyed just getting to spend time with you. And I asked him if he would come and talk with us this morning on the topic of commitment as it relates to missions. And who better to talk with us about that than a career missionary. And so we look forward to hearing from him this morning. Thank you. Buongiorno. That's how I always greet you when I come back. If you haven't been here, it's your first time. Buongiorno. Come on. All right. Hey, Siri, do you know who the Apostle Paul is? Here's what I found. All right. She sent me a uh, Wikipedia article. Paul is generally considered one of the most important figures of the apostolic age. You know, this morning we're going to be in a passage that's a narrative passage. And one of the challenges with the narratives is that we often are looking at people in a unique time, used in a unique way by God, and may or may not see how what they went through relates to us. And when it comes to the Apostle Paul, I don't know how much you know about Paul. She gave me this article probably because there was too much to say. But he wrote the most books in the shortest amount of time in the New Testament. And You and I are not going to do that, right? Uh, Peter was the apostle to the Jews. Uh, Jesus coming out of the Jewish faith, bringing... uh, And so the the church started among the Jews and then went to the Gentiles. Paul would be known as the apostle to the Gentiles. Pretty big role, right? And so the risk is, as we look at this passage this morning, we say, well, that was Paul and it couldn't apply to me. We wouldn't want to go the other way and say, just like Paul, it'll be the same for me. But there are things that we're going to see this morning that relate to commitment, as Dave said, that relate to missions. Uh, And I think there are things that we all can learn from. And so let's get started together in Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, we find ourselves in Antioch. This is a church up the coast from Jerusalem, so the gospel is expanding. Uh, In Acts 1-8, Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. I think you've heard this in recent weeks, probably. And so the gospel is moving out like these concentric circles, and now we're up to Antioch. Paul had been a little bit older than Christ, uh, actually an enemy of Christians. Uh, When we first meet Paul, he's out, headed out by the religious leaders to, to kill the Christians. He had been present at the stoning of Stephen, and he runs into the uh, risen Christ. He has an encounter with the risen Christ, which is a requirement to be an apostle. And so Paul comes into the family of believers. Now, it's Barnabas who goes and gets Paul. You can imagine the apostles, the first time they met Paul, they weren't so excited. They weren't sure what they were getting because as far as they knew, he had just been out trying to kill them, and now somebody's trying to bring him in. And so Barnabas goes out, and he gets Paul. And there's a training period in Paul's life. There's a time when he'll go away. And we don't know exactly how long that was, around seven years maybe. Eventually, he'll make it up to Antioch. And when he gets to Antioch, there will be another period of time, six years, before we get to where we are today. 
And so what we don't want to do is say, because Paul was such an important person, because he's so well known today, there wasn't a starting point in his life. There was. There was a time when Paul was not Paul. In fact, in the early uh, part of Acts, it's Barnabas and Saul. Saul was Paul's name before God changes that and gives him a name that would reflect the change in his character. And Barnabas and Saul, because Barnabas is the person who's more important, the more prominent person. Eventually that's going to change. It's going to become Paul and Barnabas. But there's a process there. And during that process, we're going to discover where commitment comes from. The same kind of commitment that we saw or see in the life of Paul is the kind of commitment that we can find in our own lives. And so let's look at Acts 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who would later become Paul. And here is where we see the first uh, characteristic or the first thing that we find related to commitment, and that is uh, more challenge and less comfort. Paul has been around in this church for a while. Paul has been engaged in ministry with Barnabas teaching, but he has also uh, been part of a mission on behalf of the church of Antioch. They had heard about a famine back in Jerusalem, and so they put together some finances, and it was Paul and Barnabas who took that gift back to Jerusalem. And so we see here the first uh, characteristic that we're looking for when we're looking for commitment, and that is more challenge and less comfort. In my years in ministry, many times people have come up to me and said, when I retire, you'll see me around more. And I know they mean that, but my, uh, my experience is that that won't happen. My experience is that if you're not already involved now while your life is busy, you won't be around, involved later when all of a sudden you have all this free time. There's something about your, your commitment showing up early in your life and then being consistent later on in your life. Over the years, we, inv- we uh, received different short-term missions groups. And it didn't surprise me that in these short-term missions groups were the Browns kids or Joan or Joanne or the Edmonds or the Lewises. Why? Because they were already people that we know and have seen active here locally at Grace Point. And so the commitment that we discover is something that we actually find in, the, in our lives or should find very early on. And that commitment is important when it comes to missions. Because regardless of where we go in this world... It will stretch us. Uh, A common uh, response to people discovering that we're missionaries in Italy is, oh, what a romantic place to do ministry. I'll tell you what, God could have sent me other places where the food was not as good as it is in Italy. I will have to give that to Italy. And there are romantic days in Italy. 
But uh, we didn't go to Italy because of the romance. And uh, we don't live on the Amalfi Coast. We don't live in the Tuscan Hills. Uh, to get to our house, uh, we go past the prostitutes. We, we live in a, a house where there are gate in a, walls around uh, because of the possibility of being broken into. We all know that Atlantic City boardwalk is one thing. You turn the corner and go into the community behind it, and it's a whole different situation, don't we? And so anywhere you go in the world, as romantic as a place might sound, there are people that need Jesus. There are situations. Italy has a very bad economy right now. The mafia. Uh, It took us a while as a church to find a place that was legally okay with the documents. We've rented many places over the years. We got... A couple of years ago, we came in on a Monday morning. There were 25 police officers in our building. They wanted to see our contract because our landlord had signed a contract and it had been all done according to the proper channels, but apparently he had no authority to, to give us a contract. So they calmed down after a while and everything worked out, but we had to leave that building because it, it, the documents weren't in place. And Italy is also known as a graveyard of missionaries. Patrick Johnstone wrote a book called Operation World to pray for the different countries around the world. And one of the things he says about Italy is that there's a lot of spiritual warfare in Italy. Italy, as you are all know, I'm sure, is the center of Roman Catholicism. But what does that mean? What does that mean? In my 21 years in Italy, when I ask people, if you were to die today, where would you go? Many of them don't know the answer to that question. Well, I've been pretty good. I've never killed anybody. I think I'm a decent parent. Help my neighbors. But it's tradition. I'm born. I was born a Christian. Well, do you know what that means? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what He's done for you? Well, I'm more worried about mom and what she says if I change religions. So there are many reasons why Italy may be a graveyard of missionaries. But what that means is that there have been people over the years who have sensed that God was leading them to Italy. They have raised the support to get to Italy. They've started to learn the new language and to get settled in. And within four years, they're back in the United States. And that's not what we want to see. And so we need commitment when it comes to missions. What is it like to be full-time? in a different culture. And I'm setting a high bar here, just talking about our own experience, but I acknowledge today there are many places where we can play on the field of missions. And so we're not just talking about full-time missions. But there are times early on where a two-year-old's trying to tell you something, and you know it's really important, but their Italian is much better than yours is. And you're 29 years old, and it's humiliating. You don't know how to speak the language. You're trying to navigate the bureaucracy. And everybody you talk to is like, well, of course, you go down there and talk to that person. You go to that office and you say, well, of course, for you, but I just got here. Or they say, where are you going to be at Christmas or Easter? And we say, well, if you don't invite us over, I guess we're going to be at home because we don't have any family here. But you're Italian, so you don't really think about that because that's what you do. You 
are with family. And so you miss holidays. You miss your grandpa, grandparents' funerals, potentially. Uh, you miss your mother's apple pie. A couple weeks ago, I was in the church where I grew up as a teenager, and the pastor mentioned that. My mom went home and made two apple pies by the time we got to lunch. She's making up for lost time. So there are all kinds of things that are involved in, in becoming a missionary uh, long term. And it's, it's, it really isn't about my journey. It's about the journey that God has for any one of us. It's being in the place where he wants us to be, doing what he wants us to do. And it's going to require more challenge and less comfort. Jackie and I are at the conclusion of a chapter of ministry. By God's grace, last year, I was able to pass the baton of leadership to a young 35-year-old bilingual Italian named Danilo. And if you come the last Sunday in April, you'll meet him here. There was no guarantee that Danilo would take that baton of leadership. For years and years and years, we tried to do what we could to help that be ready. And, and by God's grace, it was ready. And so now we look forward to a new chapter. And as we look at that chapter, uh, a couple weeks ago, someone was asking uh, someone else, is Tim a risk taker? And the person said, no, Tim's not a risk taker. And that's true. I talked to Jackie and we said, it's true. I'm not a risk taker. So I, I don't want you to get the sense that more challenge means it's because we're all bungee jumping, you know, ready to take on the world people here. Sometimes it just means we put ourselves in places that are going to require us to risk. And maybe we don't even know all that that means. It's going to test our faith. It's going to help us to grow. It's going to stretch us. Because you see what helicopter parents discover, you know who they are, right? I think the American is where, or America is where helicopter parent terminology came from. What overprotective people discover is that we can uh, unknowingly create entitlement. Soft landings often create soft people. Maybe our children can take more challenge than we give them credit for. They have to develop their own spiritual muscles, their own spiritual journeys. And that's true of all of us. We need to be challenged. And we can be challenged because God goes before us and God fights for us. And if he calls us, then he will also enable us to do what he calls us to do. And so where do we find commitment? First of all, in more challenge and less comfort. Now let's go on to verse 2 and we'll see where else we find it. In verse 2 it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Now I don't know about you, but something jumps out to me in terms of order here. Where does the calling come in? When does it come in? What are they doing? 
So it isn't that they get the calling and then, no, look at where they are. They're in a position of listening. They're on their knees, worshiping and fasting. They're listening. And while they're listening, God clearly speaks and says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. The Holy Spirit said, Calling is a big deal, right? It sounds like a big deal, at least. There's always an objective and a subjective part to calling. Here it's clear that it's God who's calling. There's no doubt about it. It's written in the scriptures. We can look back on this scene and say God was calling. Maybe we thought it was an opinion. No, it's not an opinion. God was calling. In our own cases, uh, it's not always so clear, is it? So we look at the scriptures, and there are things that God asks us to do that we need to obey. obey. Those are clear. Uh, There are people who know us, mature people who are ahead of us in in, in in the spiritual journey who can speak into our lives. They know us, right? They can give us some insight into calling. And then there are circumstances. We have to be careful not to put too much weight on circumstances, but circumstances certainly play a part in calling. All of this helps define that commitment, the commitment that God is calling us to. I told you I was in uh, Montrose a couple weeks ago. That's where I was a teenager. I was able to confirm that while I was in high school, nobody referred to me as a missionary. When I moved to Philadelphia to go to Bible college, as far as I remember, nobody referred to me as a missionary. And not even in our early years here in Grace Point, when I was a seminary intern, was anyone referring to me as a missionary. But when I was taking a missions class, uh, the third year of seminary, uh, I had an interest in Italy. We'd been over there a couple times. And so I went to Italy in the spring, and I had a question for the missionaries. And so I was interviewing, and as I'm going along and I'm journaling, I'm getting a sense that God is leading us to Italy. And I get back, and I share my journal with Jackie, and she says... It's clear we're going to be taking our two-year-old and our three-month-old and we're moving overseas. We're going to learn another language, do ministry in another place. And so we applied with the mission that we're with today. And some of you remember this. We met with a committee. This committee was made up of uh, mission board members, go team members here, you would call them, and pastors. And after two hours of interview... They gave us an answer, and the answer was no. That was kind of surprising. It's an understatement. (laughs) We had people telling us, change missions. What do they know? How in the world did they come up with that conclusion? You've been over to the country where you're going to go. Not every missionary goes to the country that they've already visited. Maybe today they do. Back then, I feel older now. Hopefully, you do too. Uh, Back then, not always did you go to a country you'd already visited, right? There was an invitation from people in Italy. 
so they already knew who we were. Dave Ritter, the pastor at the time here at Grace Point, he had met with me for three years every week as my mentor. I had an elder mentor. They'd let me try on you guys, not you guys, but the people around at the time, different kinds of ministry through the years. We had the young couples with no kids group at the time. And all of these people were saying, okay, this is moving along well, and then we get this no. So what do you do with that? Well, there was a part of us that wanted to say, these people don't know us at all. They take two hours with us and make a conclusion and forget them. But then there's another part of us that said, well, what if God is trying to tell us something? And so there was not a, an open acceptance of that decision. The church said, we want an explanation. And the committee came back and said, well, we think Tim and Jackie should go to a year to Italy as interns. The colleagues that we would eventually work with in Italy said, no way, we don't want them for a year. They don't speak Italian. What are we going to do with them? Grace Point said, we're not paying for a year. Just because you guys want to try them out, we're not paying for a year. So we compromised three months. We went over that fall, came back, went to the same mission the following year. We were appointed, and long story short, here we are 21 years later. God used that three months looking back. It was a flawed system, we would say. It involved humans like you and me with imperfect discernment. God used it in in any way, and it was part of how getting us where we needed to be. But it didn't change the fact that we were being called. And so you see there's an objective and a subjective part of that. But there needs to be an openness in, in us, a seeking of God. Part of commitment is that we continually seek God. Where do you want me to be, Lord? There are some things that I know clearly are not where I need to be. Some of it is scripture. Some of it's what other people tell me. Some of it's hardwired in me. I know it's just not my personality. It's not my place. But there is a place where you want me to be. And it's not necessarily long-term missions. Maybe it's called to something else. But each one of us has a role to play in the life of local churches. We are 2,000 years removed from the beginning of the church. We're looking at the beginning of the church in Acts. Churches have opened and closed and opened and closed and opened and closed. They go through ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. And you know what? It's not about me and it's not about you. We get a limited period of time on this earth, a limited time in a church, in a place. God's work always outlasts us. It never overlooks us. And so the question we need to ask is, what is God calling us to do for the time that we have in the place where he's put us? What is the role And so what should we be doing? The same thing they were doing. While they were fasting and praying, while they were seeking the Lord, the Holy Spirit called Paul and Barnabas. So where do we find commitment? We find it in more challenge, less comfort. 
We find it in more calling, less closure. And finally, we find it in more confirmation and less conservation. Acts 13, verse 3 says, Then, after fasting and praying, so they've been fasting and praying, God speaks, the Holy Spirit calls, they continue to fast and pray and seek the Lord. But that isn't all they did. They got behind what God was asking them to do, and they sent them off. Recently, I was asked, what would you love to receive from Grace Point? And I was thinking, well, support and challenge. Support, encouragement, challenge, accountability. I need those things. Prayers and financial gifts. Uh, we need that. We need prayer so God moves. We, he was there before we got to Italy. He'll be there after we're gone. We depend on him to move. Financial gifts because it costs a lot of money to have us there as missionaries. Hospitality on home assignment. That's another thing we'd love to receive. We come back every once in a while. We drop out of the sky and here we are. And some people know us for a long time. Some don't know us. And we feel like we belong here. But we need a place to stay because our house is over there. Assistance from short-termers. People who come over. And partner with us in the ministry who encourage us and, and participate with us. We need specialists, people who help us with things like newsletters. I have roles that I play over there. Uh, I'm not good at making videos. Probably some people want to see videos from me. Well, I'll probably need a specialist to make that happen. A team to launch us. And you know what? This list that I'm, I'm, I'm listing, I'm listing in part because every one of these things is something that we have received from Grace Point. I'm sure from where you sit, there might be things you can think of that would improve what the church is doing in missions and our good feedback. There have been many different attempts over the years to create a stronger connection between us as missionaries overseas and you here praying and supporting us. And we can use new ideas and new initiatives. But we have felt well-loved and well-taken care of by Grace Point. We feel like we come home when we come back to Grace Point. When we were first getting ready to go, uh, Ellen Livingood was the missions director, and she put together what she called the Barnabas team. And I'll name some names. I'm not sure if you know them, but they were in the earlier service. Greg Scott got in a car with me with his video recorder, and we went around the country meeting up with people who had seen me grow up who could speak into a video camera and say why they thought Tim and Jackie ought to go to Naples, Italy. Steve Schlanker took all that video. This is back then. That was a lot of work. And he created a script, and he edited that thing. And then there was a guy in the worship team named Dave Dow, and he sang the audio track. And we took that video, and we went around, and 22 churches joined our support team. That's the kind of support that Newtown, Grace Point, has uh, given us over the years. And there were focus projects, focus-like projects in the past. 
when they built this building, uh, one of the elders had an idea of room to grow, room to share. If we're going to spend a lot of money on ourselves, why don't we raise even more money and give to missions? And they used that money to help build two churches in Japan. We had a, uh, an agreement with the youth group, our youth group in Naples and the youth group here in, uh, in Newtown, five-year plan where they would help us to grow our youth group. We started with four 14-year-old girls in our youth group. So year one, Newtown came, and they did 90% of the work. They did a VBS or something like that, and we did 10%. Next year, they did 75%. We did 25%, 50-50. So you're getting the point, right? By the end, the people that are coming are saying, wait a minute, we raised support to come over and do this, stand here and watch you guys do? Yeah, that's the point, right? Why do we always feel like we have to go do something for others? Learn from the Italians. There's a lot they can teach you. And so there's a lot that we have received over the years. And just like the church in Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas, we were sent out. And it was confirmed in many ways. And that confirmation becomes very important on those days where things aren't going so well. On those days where that language just isn't developing very well. When you can't spit out what you're trying to say. Or when uh, you look around and no one is coming to Christ and no one is getting baptized. And you wonder if anything's happening at all. And you question in those moments where your own personality or your own growth that's needed is, am I up to the task? And you look back and you say, yeah, but look at what it took to get us here. Back when we were starting to realize that God was calling us to Naples, Italy, we would pray and say, Lord, close that door if you don't want us to go through it. Close that door. And he could have done that in so many ways. We, we didn't find the support we needed. Uh, we didn't get our legal documents. All kinds of things could have happened. And yet, back when, on average, it took three years to get over to the mission field, we were there in two years. And we would look back many times and say, that confirmation is helping to keep us going. It's an important part of our commitment because we know what God has done and we know we're in the right place and we know what we need to do even if we don't see the results right now. And so we need more confirmation and less conservation. We are not necessarily going to know exactly how everything gets done. We're not going to know exactly all the ways that God is going to provide. But as a famous missionary said, God's work done in God's way never lacks God's resources. When we're in God, where God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to be, we will never lack the resources to do what he wants us to do. So where do we find commitment? We find it in challenge. We find it in calling. And we find it in confirmation. 
And so the question, I think, before Grace Point right now, not that uh, the only place you can be engaged in missions is in the New Focus endeavor, but what is this generation's legacy going to be when it comes to missions? In my preparation for this message, I read that 95% of financial resources go for maintaining Christian institutions instead of reaching new people. The discussion we're having today exists because God has a heart for the nations. Acts is all about, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. It ought to be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. The Apostles were along for the ride, seeing what God was going to do through his Spirit. And I don't know if this was the case, but it's interesting. It's Antioch that is launching missions. Jerusalem was an important church at the time. But you might wonder if Jerusalem, because of their struggle to take the gospel and expand it beyond the Jewish world into the Gentile world, into the broader world, might have been a cause for them to lose the opportunity and that God gave to Antioch. Antioch didn't lose that opportunity. One of the one of my favorite observations about this passage is actually in the next verse. Because you might ask the question, who sent Paul and Barnabas? Was it the church or the spirit? And the answer is yes. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Who sent them off? The church did. So being sent out by the spirit, they went down to Solution. From there, they sailed to Cyprus. Now, they would go to Cyprus. Barnabas is from Cyprus. He'll take his nephew, John, also called Mark, with them. So there was some strategy that went into this thing. There was some vision discovery that went into this thing. But who sent them? God sent them. And the church sent them. And the same God who sent them continues to send people today. And churches like Grace Point continue to send people today. And so the question I'd like to leave you with is this. And it's the question that really changed the paradigm for me and Jackie years ago. And I think it came out of Acts 13. And it's this. Are you willing to go, but planning to stay? Or are you planning to go, but willing to stay? Jackie and I would have said that for much of our lives, we were willing to go, but planning to stay. But at a certain point, God changed our outlook on things. We began to plan to go, willing to stay. Maybe now you don't want to do that because look where we ended up. But I'll tell you what, I have no regrets. No regrets. Raising my kids in Naples, Italy instead of Bucks County, Pennsylvania. No regrets having to be stretched in the ways that I was stretched through the years, often 
feeling way out of my league. And watching God change lives, change marriages, change my own heart, I wouldn't exchange it for the world. Are you willing to go but planning to stay? Or are you planning to go but willing to stay? Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful that we can look at the scriptures and we can see what you did in the first century to make your name great and expand your church around the globe and recognize that today we continue to be a part of that gospel expansion wherever you place us. And so, Lord, whether we're going to be like Paul and Barnabas and we're going to be the sent ones or whether we're going to be like those other guys in the list and we're going to stay behind and send, maybe we're going to be engaged locally, maybe we're going to be engaged short term, maybe in different ways. Help us to open our minds to the possibility of going. And maybe even more than opening our minds to the possibility to plan to go and look for a place where we might go in a way that you might send us. Anticipating that you go before us, that you fight for us, that you open and close doors, you're always at work. And we get to be a part of that. And we want to give you the glory for that. In Jesus' name.